0: and talk directly into the microphone Greta Wardog you get your butt over here
1: Greta you have to be here for this episode Greta you
0: have to be here for this episode
1: it's inspired by you it's inspired by you she's like looking for escapes
0: how the hell do I get out of here
1: (laughs) Greta just lie down it'll only take like an hour steal one of
0: these necklaces (laughs) is that gonna get me out of here can I pay the man at the door the doorman the doorman Welcome. Ooh, welcome. Welcome. Episode 13. Which is so fitting. One, one three.
1: Because we have, first of all, that's my favorite number in the world, my lucky number. That's right.
0: You were born on the 13th.
1: Friday the 13th. Of November. And you and I got married on Friday the 13th. I mean, it's not Friday right now, but it is. Oh my gosh, it's the 13th. Oh no, that's tomorrow. Yeah. It's the 12th. (laughs) But when this episode comes out, it'll be October 13th. Yes, that is
0: right. 13th on the 13th. Uh, in October
1: which is cool um but scary it's fitting because we have big news and new plans for you guys that we'll be telling you about
0: shortly can I just throw in some other 13
1: sure yeah
0: 13s yeah um I was number 13 on the Black team in basketball in the sixth grade. Oh, I didn't yep. even
1: know you were on the basketball team. Yeah, it wasn't team. very
0: good. Okay. Um and Kurt Warner was number thirteen. I was loved number thirteen. Love KW.
1: My whole life because I love thirteen. I was That's always right. thirteen. Um Paige wanted to be thirteen too. Too damn bad. And no, and then she gave it to me. She said oh. I could have it, and then she took fourteen. Sweet Paige. So we were thirteen and fourteen. Isn't that sweet? Um you Remember
0: how I randomly see her dad everywhere?
1: Yeah, you do. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um Oof. I was gonna say something else.
0: How excited we are?
1: Yeah, I'm very excited about this episode and this podcast moving forward. We're making some big changes, and I think you guys are going to like it.
0: Bum, bum, ba So excited. So, So first,
1: welcome to Let's Be Realistic, the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, Yes, if you
0: stumbled your way here, it's a Let's Be Realistic podcast.
1: um, Check us out at lbrpodcast.com. You can find everything you need to know there. Um, I'll try to be better about updating that, especially with our new content and format. Um, we'll definitely be adding more stuff to the website and social media. So yep. give us a follow. Um, give us a like on Apple podcasts or iTunes. That would be glorious. Oh, yep. also, um. also, this is a good segue into this. Nicole from the film crawl gave us a very nice review. So thank you, Nicole. Um, but I wanted to thank them for giving us the kindest shout out on their episode this past week um we love you guys you guys are the best and for anyone who likes movies or likes learning about movies watches movies really anyone who has watched a movie should listen to the film crawl podcast anybody who has anybody who has watched a movie (laughs) it
0: just it just makes me think of like dwight Schrute in the office he's like yes i own uh, over 230 movies (laughs)
1: But really, everyone should go listen to the film crawl. And for October, they're doing only scary movies, like horror movies. Agreed. And I'm we, gonna,
0: yeah, I'm gonna check that. I love scary well. Movies, the first man. one
1: they did was Insidious, and then we watched it. Yes. So that's why I was okay with watching that because they told me it wasn't that demonic.
0: Uh, that's right. I love Sam and Nicole. They're so much fun.
1: Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Film Crawl. We love you guys. Hello. Everyone should go take a listen.
0: Yeah, take a listen. Hey, but if you want to hear more of the Let's Be Realistic podcast. Go check out lbrpodcast.com. It's um, a link to all of our social media. And all of the places yep. to listen. Click, rate, res- rescribe, click, rate, subview, subscribe. <laughs> um, wherever you listen to podcasts would be super helpful. Trying to enunciate more. Oh, well. Yeah. shouldn't we all um instead of having a mouthful of marbles we are still of
1: exclusively fueled by seraphina coffee um their new location with the drive through is open i think they're open till like 8 or 9 p.m too so gives you a lot more time to get there it's right off of 7th avenue in fillmore and for first friday phoenix does phoenix downtown does like a first friday like art walk and a bunch of vendors come out and there's food and art and jewelry and all kinds of stuff and for first friday they like showed a movie on the side of their building so pretty Classic. cool go check them out love serafina
0: yeah um drinking their coffee all week and just it's just the best when seriously it, like you know it's funny um we have a coffee subscription and i you know you've heard about it before i'm not gonna i'm not gonna plug them in the serafina <laughs> plug but um I know, yeah, I, I know when
1: it's not serafina i know when it's not i know i do too it's funny and it's
0: like um you can tell the quality difference. Yeah. Well, and it's not... It's
1: not even that it's bad coffee. Yeah, it's not the... Qu- it's just not as good.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's like... It's not necessarily the quality. It's just that there's...
1: The flavor is, is different. I, don't know. I think it's the it's quality. It's just but so
0: much... You're like, oh, it's oh. It's point. Take a sip of that in the morning. Oh, oh. On <laughs> my drive, you know, because I usually don't have that first sip until I'm like halfway to work. I finally bust it open. I'm like, oh, this is Serafina oh, coffee. Oh,
1: Serafina today. Oh, <laughs> Um, before we get into our big news, um, I would like to air some grievances because it's been several episodes Fire away, babe. since we've had grievances and I had a lot this week. I was fiery. So first one, um, so my coworker and friend Lita and I, we process check payments at work and we look at the bank account and see if any of the checks have returned and then we go in and reverse those checks on these people's accounts. So it, you know, shows like an NSF fee or whatever. Um, and I guess at some point we missed a check reversal and it had been like two months. It was like, so Lita and I switch weeks posting the checks and this one returned on a Friday afternoon. So it was like probably after we checked the bank account and then we switched. So whoever came in Monday, like didn't scroll back enough in the bank account to see. So it's like, it's equally both of our faults and it didn't get done. Right. And like, sure, that's our fault. However, the treasury person in San Francisco that told us about it, was like, why didn't this ever get done? And I'm like, okay, but you guys reconciled the bank account, so for sure we missed it, and that's our fault. But you also missed it for two months and didn't notice that this didn't balance for two months.
0: That's the best part. So like, like but wait a minute, you guys did not see right, your work at right, all either. Exactly.
1: Well, and I I, ca- I tried to be like tactful about it and be like, yeah, for sure we missed it, but normally someone else catches this because there have to be two points of accountability right, here. Right. So. That's the
0: that's the best when you really get someone.
1: I, so I tried my best to be tactful, but I was pissed. Don't come at me like everything. Like for sure, I'll take responsibility for what is my fault, but also take responsibility for yourself. There was a little bit of onus on you too. Anyway, that was my first grievance. My second grievance is do not come to work sick and cough all over everyone else. I will murder you. If you're sick, stay home. And some of these people who came to work sick last week, I know for a fact, can work from home. You don't even have to take time off. Just yeah, stay home of a dick move. and stop coughing on me. Yeah, don't I do was that. so angry. You're an adult. Don't Why? do that. Also, one of them doesn't cover her mouth. Are you four years old? I was <laughs> livid.
0: You know what? We have a lot of people that come to work sick. I'm just saying. I understand. And, and they can all, but
1: they can all work from home too. Right. You can work from home. That's one way around it. You don't even have to take time off. And I understand that some people don't have time off, whatever. Go sit somewhere else. Do not sit next to a bunch of healthy people and cough all over them. I'm so upset about that. So if I get sick, I swear to Todd, I'm going to rage.
0: I kind of, in in a way, I welcome it because um, it's like, uh, it's a little bit of investment into my natural immune system. No, I'm pissed. I've been taking
1: two emergencies every day. Hey. It's been working so far. I love you.
0: I love you too. Let's transition, man We have like Big news Wait, was that all of your grievances? Yeah, that's it We have big news Big things You want to tell them? No
1: Okay, I'll tell them
0: I mean, I do But I want you to tell them
1: Okay We are changing our content We're doing a total 180 On the Let's Be Realistic podcast Now
0: We're doing a total 360, 270
1: Oops Before you ask Well, are you still going to be realistic? The answer is yes
0: (laughs) 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 But can I still come to this podcast (laughs) for realistic content?
1: The things we'll be talking about are still realistic and true. They will just be more interesting because Patrick and I are self-aware enough to know that we've kind of covered all the interesting content about ourselves that we can. And at this point, no one who doesn't know us personally has any reason to listen to this podcast.
0: Seriously, you know what? We record we record, and we're like, you know what? This is a really good episode, but... Oh shit us. i'm we're, bored at listening to us talk
1: yeah i would have stopped listening to us by now
0: yeah. man
1: <laughs> so anyway if you've made it this far we've, thank yeah, you we've stopped listening but to better podcasts we're going to start giving you content that will make you excited to That's listen it's gonna
0: get your goat
1: and i think um so patrick's been saying get your goat as like a good thing
0: it's gonna go out in a goat costume find that Ew. goat and just scoop it up and get <laughs> that goat with a goat sized net
1: anyway we're gonna give you content that you will want to tell your friends about. Hopefully,
0: yeah, it's like uh, you know, get your goats a good thing. It's like he's It's, not. it's like your friend is gonna go out and get your lost goat.
1: Okay. Anyway. And that's awesome. So let let's tell them what we're gonna talk about.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay. Um.
1: In general, not this specific episode.
0: Okay, so we are going to talk about. Um,
1: we're okay. We're gonna tell you, stories. I was gonna say like let, you. I know you had it. something planned. We're going to tell stories because I love storytelling podcasts, but these will oof. be real factual stories. Patrick is going to come in with the history, the conspiracies, espionage, things that you really like and that you're passionate about. And a lot, that's of, gonna be a exciting. lot of law,
0: a lot of legal stuff, a lot of um, uh, things that are in plain sight that you don't know about.
1: And war and history yep, and interesting things on that side. Dogs, and I'm, I haven't nailed mine down to a T but I think it's going to be a lot of true crime, psychology, weird things that you never knew about, um, and just like weird phenomenon. And I'm very excited about mm-hmm. it. So hopefully this is exciting for you guys. We're super pumped about it.
0: We're super pumped about our Halloween episode. It's going to take place uh, next Two weeks. Two weeks? Two weeks? Close two to weeks, Halloween. It's no? a few days before yeah. Halloween. Yeah. And you know what? If you guys are digging it, we're going to go weekly. It's happening. Yeah. So we're going to test this out. Us.
1: And we're very excited. Um, I think I should go first because I think maybe yours is a little longer.
0: Uh, mine is definitely longer. I have like uh, three pages of notes so and I, I'm so friggin' s- stoked.
1: I know I am too. Okay. So but
0: also, you know more about my topic because I've talked about it before in the past. I talked yeah. about it to your mom and at, uh, you know, represent studio battle. Holla. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I actually know nothing about your, Woo! I yeah, think, your, your topic um, this week.
1: Honestly, I think a lot of people won't know about mine.
0: Let's roll. Let's so, get it done let's let's fire away.
1: Today I'm gonna be talking to you about the disappearance of Tom and Eileen Lonergan.
0: Ooh, Lonergan
1: Lonergan. I thought it might be Lonergan, but I looked up our pronunciation and it seems like it's more common to say Lonergan so that's Lonergan. So we're gonna go with. Um, oh. And have you ever seen the movie Open Water?
0: Um no. No, I haven't. It's, it's where they like fall off a boat or something, and they're just like floating in open water. Yeah, yeah. First off, that's terrifying.
1: Yeah. So that movie is loosely based on Time and Eileen Lonergan. It's a real story. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes is right. It gets it gets real crazy. It gets dicey. So before I start, I want to cite my sources so that I don't have to go back and do that later. Um, I used all that's interesting.com, which I feel like is going to be something I use a lot because that just sounds great. Ooh. Um, I, it was an article by Kara Goldfarb, um, Ranker.com, also another thing I'm going to be using a lot, article by Aaron McCann, news.com.au, because this is an Australian story This happened in Australia, okay. um, article by Daniel Bateman, and then Reddit, which is also great for these kinds of stories because yep. people do crazy research. Um, the pr- person Front who page. put the article up was mythic squirrel one, you know, you know, mythic squirrel one
0: solid handle i don't know it's it's (laughs) great
1: okay so tom and eileen lonergan um at the time of this story tom was 33 and eileen is 28 they're from baton rouge they met at louisiana state university and they got married on june 24th 1988 okay set the stage
0: year that i was born holla that's true
1: um but they obviously went to school together got married in texas and um they had been married for about 10 years when this story happens this this whole story happens in 1998 gets real crazy so eileen had always been into scuba diving and then she got tom into that hobby as well so they would scuba dive they were good at it like they were oh
0: that's what it was they were scuba diving and then uh they like were scuba diving and then came back up and the boat was gone
1: what are you just going to tell my story or what well
0: i'm just saying that like that's like that's a common fear okay well
1: well this really happened please continue horrifying so, anyway, they are good scuba divers. Like, they dive a lot. They went on this trip specifically to do this dive because it was exciting. Um, their Great Barrier Reef? Yes. Their friends described them as happy and they loved each other. You know, the normal the normal situation. They're married. They're friends. Um, they actually were in the Peace Corps. And they did, like, a year or two in Tuvalu.
0: Sorry, they are in the what?
1: Is it Peace Corps?
0: <laughs> I don't know. They were in the Peace Corps. Oh, they were in peace dead bodies, but... Oh. Who knows? We'll see how this <laughs> we'll see how this plays out. It might be fitting. <laughs> Anyways. Okay.
1: Anyway, okay. So on January twenty fifth, nineteen ninety eight, Tom and Eileen left Port Douglas, Australia, with a group on a boat with a diving company called Outer Edge.
0: Do you know the difference between the Marine Corps and a Marine Corps? One's a body of men, and the other one's a body of a man. <laughs>
1: what do you what do you want me to say
0: yeah, no, it's just that's it that's it i, I heard that somewhere. are you done like, are you done yeah, making fun of me yeah i'm done the peace corps yep tuvalu continue. please continue
1: so they were coming back from their time in tuvalu and like on their way back they did this dive trip okay are you with me now I'm, you have anything else with to you say the whole way okay
0: hey i love you
1: i love you too so they're on this boat with the outer edge there are 26 people total including them going out for this dive okay And they're going to St. Crispin's Reef, which is a popular dive site in the Great Barrier Reef. Like you said, that's like an iconic thing to dive if you're a scuba diver, right? Like That's super interesting to go there.
0: That's on every scuba diver's bucket list, I would imagine. I would assume.
1: So, sure. So, like I said, 24 other passengers. Jeffrey Naren was the skipper. He also goes by Jack. I don't know what happens down there in Australia, but I guess that's a nickname for Jeffrey. Um, and the boat took them 25 miles off the coast of Queensland, Australia, but this is like a normal thing. This was just a day trip. Like they're not even staying out there.
0: It's how Gilligan Island started.
1: Yeah. This gets, gets crazy. So the Lonergan's requested, um, apparently, allegedly requested to go dive by themselves because they know what they're doing and they just kind of wanted to go hang out together and dive what they wanted to do. They're experienced. Um, so they requested to go off by themselves, but no one on the boat recorded that they requested that. So one of the crew members was like, oh, yeah, they asked if they could go dive by themselves. But there's no log of that anywhere, which is kind of weird because you usually record, or record things like that because it's kind of high stakes out there in the open water. Hmm. So the Lonergan's went off to dive by themselves. And about 40 to 60 minutes later, the boat left and the Lonergan's were not on it. Can you imagine coming up from your dive and looking around and there's the boat's gone?
0: So I went snorkeling in the Bahamas one time and when i was i was really young and i i remember i was thinking like it was probably 20 20 foot of water and i was thinking like i was gonna swim to the bottom and i was gonna touch it and i was gonna swim back up thank god on the way down i saw a freaking stingray oops and I, like shot back up i was like nope not gonna happen because i probably would have died okay but um i the only i, I bring that up because i don't recall like any oversight and there was about 20 of us maybe 25 and i don't remember any any oversight at all and there were all sorts of things you know there were jellyfish and i mean there were things that were dangerous so like i I don't know i I guess i could see how i could see how those things aren't actually recorded like oh yeah hey as the skipper we record all special requests but But really it's that situation
1: I, and I'm not sure. This is just me guessing. I think it was like, hey, we take this group and you guys all dive in this area. And they, by themselves, were like, hey, we want to go over here. Right. And so that's an a... What's a... Like a... A waiver? A, a defect. From, yeah. An exception from right. the normal plan. And yeah, so that like probably should have been... they're like, to
0: indemnify enacted. us from anything that's going to exactly. happen. Like, oh, yeah, hey, we're going to go cave diving. It's like, well, we don't... That's not part of the... That's not part of the charter. We're not going to do that.
1: Well, especially because of what happens. Like... That, like that's exactly why you but, write it you know, down or it, you tell somebody that's
0: the thing where it's like when something tragic happens you know the the protocol comes out of the woodwork it's like right. oh yeah we oh we have th- we have mechanisms in place for this it's so, like pff, horseshit you, you you've done this a thousand times and you know like the worst thing that happens is like somebody gets stung by a jellyfish and you know you spray some windex on it it's fine
1: so they come back up the boat's gone that w- would be horrifying
0: for sure. But I think that you
1: you come up and you probably assume like, Oh, they'll realize it pretty quick and like turn around and come back. Um, and according to the crew members, they took a head count and somehow came up with 26 people. So I think they like, there was something about two people like jumping off the boat, like horse playing and then getting back on. And so I think they did a head count of 24, two people jumped off and got back on and they're like, Oh, that's our 26. We're good. So they left them
0: there. I guess the I guess the thing that that makes me question everything is like, I feel like I feel like that if I were running a business that is kind of dangerous, you know, like scuba diving. Exactly. And somebody, you know, somebody made a special request. Like, right. You're the professional, you know. When somebody comes to you and they're like, "Hey, we're professional divers." From Baton Rouge, you know, you're gonna be like, um, okay, yeah, sure, sure. You do your own thing, but like in in your mind, you're gonna remember those people. Yeah. So, so I don't know.
1: Guess how long it took for someone to realize that they were missing.
0: If I had to guess, I would say two days.
1: Two days, fifty one hours.
0: 51, 51 hours. hours. So over two days.
1: So one of the other passengers on the boat realized that Tom's bag was still on the boat and just like tossed it and lost and found and was like, oh, like they'll come back for it. They must have just left it. And so only when the couple didn't arrive to meet the shuttle that was going to take them back to the hostel, did someone like kind of think something was wrong. And the driver was like, that's weird. Like I'm supposed to meet them here. And so he like looked in the shops around the area and he even called Outer Edge and was like, hey, are they coming? And they're like, oh, no, they're not here. And so everyone just assumed they must have gotten back to the hostel a different way. And the bag that was found on the boat just sat in the lost and found for 48 hours until Jeffrey Nairn, the skipper, finally got concerned. He looked through the bag and saw all of Tom's stuff, like his ID, his wallet, everything. Like, they couldn't have gone anywhere without it. And so he called the hostel and he was like, "Hey, did they ever make it back there?" And they're like, "No, like they never got to their hostel." And so he finally called the police 51 hours after they were just left in the middle of the ocean. Yikes. That's horrifying. Can you imagine Yuck. how scary that is? So, and the crew also didn't notice that they were missing two weights and two dive jackets. Like, how do you not make the connection do there some are so GD many? Things. Inventory yes. already. A proper head count and then also look at your gear? Like,
0: see this is this is why I call foul on oh yeah no we have protocol in place if right. if they want to go do their own thing it's like no you, they didn't no you Clearly don't they didn't you guys know. don't have any protocol in place because you would have caught this at least well uh anything fewer than 51 hours ago
1: And then listen to this the next day, the very next day, that same boat went back to that same St Crispin's reef to do another dive and two divers found two weight belts in that area and they still didn't put it together. That was 24 hours later. And they told the skipper, like, hey, we found these belts. And they're like, oh, awesome.
0: Cool. "Cool. Thanks for that.
1: That's great. That's it.
0: Yeah, because.
1: How? How do you not think?
0: Yikes.
1: No one connected the dots for over two days. So finally, after two days, after the skipper calls the police, they finally do a search. So they have, like, an air search, helicopters and stuff. And then they also have um, a water search. But how do you even find people in the middle of the ocean? You don't. How? How? So they looked for three days. And they found, like, some of their gear. They found a dive slate, which is, like, a little dry erase board that you can write on underwater so you can talk to other scuba divers. And so sad. The dive slate said, to anyone who can help us, we've been abandoned on the Agincourt Reef. And then they wrote the date, 25th January 1998, 3 p.m. Please come help us before we die. Help.
0: So were they ever found?
1: They never found their bodies. Isn't that? Probably eat by sharks. Yeah. So several pieces of gear washed up in the following weeks. Um, Inflatable diving jackets with their names written on them so they knew that was theirs. Um, Oxygen tanks with a little oxygen left in them. So people, experts figured they probably dumped the oxygen tanks due to the weight once they realized that no one was coming back for them. Like if we're going to try to swim somewhere, we can't have all this extra weight because they're 25 miles off the coast of Queensland.
0: So I guess, I know 25 miles is like really far, but... I mean, 25 miles to go diving? Even like an Olympic
1: swimmer isn't going to be able to do that.
0: But Olympic swimmers aren't, they're not trying to do like super long distance. I'm thinking about survival strokes. Chicken tea rocket, baby.
1: But, so listen. Um, And then it says, uh, my research says experts aren't sure why they would have ditched their life jackets, but they did. They got rid of their life jackets and it's likely due to dehydration and just being delirious. Like, I need to get rid of this stuff so we can swim, but... Once you've been out there without water and you're just baking in the sun...
0: In like a salt water bath. You're not
1: making good decisions. And you know how fast you tire out without your life jacket? Treading water for 51 hours? You don't make it.
0: But I guess it's kind of weird because I'm, I'm thinking like you come up and, you know, if you know the direction of land... Now, uh, now, But what I, if you don't? Here's the caveat. Here is the caveat. The caveat is this, that the... Uh, apparently at basically sea level the earth's curvature you can see land only up to seven miles so like after seven miles you know your, so your, then they your head have been is able below to. the yeah so yeah. you you wouldn't be able to see it. but i mean i don't know i guess i guess once the sun starts to set you know You know where West is. Well, but you know where West is. And if you kind of know a little bit. Yeah. But but isn't a compass part of that? I'm sure.
1: I'm sure. But there's also a current that you're not going to be able to overcome, especially when you're tired and uh, dehydrated and just exhausted and sunburnt and like horrifying. That is seriously. So were
0: they not wearing wetsuits? I'm sure they were. Which is crazy because really your biggest, your biggest enemy is dehydration because you're sitting in a salt bath.
1: Yep. And you have no fresh water to drink. Yep. So no, they never found their bodies still to this day. Um, so October 10th, that same year, 1998, coroner Noel Noonan found the couple died either from exposure, drowning, or shark attack. Like they just have to assume what happened to well, them. for sure. And um, they found like pieces of her like jacket or her wetsuit eventually with like tears and barnacles on it. They found it in February, like a month later. And it didn't seem consistent with like shark attack or anything. So it seems like she was out of that suit before whatever happened after that but they the tears and stuff were probably from dude that's crazy i don't even the coral reef look yeah so the skipper jeffrey naren was charged with manslaughter in 1999 but found not guilty um the dive company outer edge was charged with negligence and they pled guilty to that for Um, sure the company ultimately went out of business because of that um But the Lonergan's disappearance caused stricter dive regulations, including mandatory headcount. Duh. Like, which they claim they did, but also, like, do it a couple times. Have two people do it, perhaps, since you left two people in the ocean. Now, this is where it gets a little interesting because there are a bunch of different theories about what happened to them because no one ever found them. Okay. So, the first one, uh, there are five theories that I'm going to talk about. Ooh. The first one, they faked their own deaths. Now, listen um more than 20 people claim to have seen them after that in australia um at the darwin hotel and at a port douglas bookstore but their passports were left behind like as part of their bags they never made it off the ship and they never touched their bank accounts or cash their life insurance policies so that's unlikely but whenever that happens whenever people go missing people are always like oh no i saw them no i saw them here that always happens
0: yeah but and and to that i would say like if you are meticulous and you really 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 were planning for success like if they didn't have any next of kin then obviously the red flag would be oh yeah somebody cashed their life insurance check um then they would have already planned that you know
1: right and if they staged their disappearance they would have had somewhere else to go like i don't know it it just seems weird that they would have faked their own deaths there. So then the next one is that they staged their disappearance and they were picked up by a boat in the area. Now, a captain who claimed to have visited that same dive spot the next day said he may have encountered the couple. According to his story, the headcount before his vessel's return trip came out two more than when the boat left the port.
0: What kind of boat, what kind of ship was it?
1: Um, I think it was just kind of like a tour, maybe to go out and see wildlife or something like that. I don't know that it was a, a diving tour. Um, but the tourists on that expedition that day were all from Italy and spoke Italian. Um, but he says he remembered hearing a couple of American voices. So, Huh. don't know, but unlikely again. Question. Unlikely.
0: So question. Um, my first thought was motive. Like, did they have a reason where they like? I'll get ha- to it. Oh, OK.
1: Um, the third theory is they were troubled and killed themselves in a suicide pact.
0: Well, I mean, you know, if so they loved each other hardcore like.
1: This, honestly, I know you and I would totally do something like that. <laughs>
0: Although, um, stuck in the middle of the damn ocean, no, no that thing would be jump out of a dang old plane. would the worst way to go. Absolutely yeah. not. Actually, we'd just, I would just take it up and we'd just... Crash us. Greta.
1: Greta, you have to stay here. His story involves Greta, you.
0: my story involves you. It's all about word It's very important frogs.
1: that you stay here. Okay, listen. Love you. So the third one that they... Ate, um, killed themselves in a suicide pact. This is the only one that has like some supporting evidence because their diaries were found and included entries indicating that they were unhappy but their friends and family all say that the Diary entries were taken out of context, which I'm sure that they were like that's what the media does. However, their diaries were found um, And they were both teachers that seemed to not really like their jobs um six months before the dive tom wrote quote like a student who has finished an exam i feel like my life is complete and i'm ready to die as far as i can tell from here my life can only get worse it has peaked and it's all down here from here until my funeral end quote
0: and and what and she was like yeah me too ditto like what i mean so it was a he just brought her down
1: listen then maybe Then Eileen wrote, Tom hopes to die a quick and painless death, and he hopes it happens soon. Tom's not suicidal, but he's got a death wish that could lead him to what he desires, and I could get caught in that, end quote.
0: Okay, so so two, so Tom and Eileen, Mm -hmm. both teachers Mm -hmm. in Louisiana, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Well, and the Peace Corps.
0: Well... uh, (laughs) okay so they're in the peace corps they've they've been to places you know like ethiopia or nairobi or like all these like really hardcore places they've seen that the world's a messed up place yeah. can be a messed up place and so they're that's the only motive they have is that they, yeah, well, hold I don't on. Buy they it. both journal and then they read each other's journal and then comment <laughs> no, on they each don't other's. Read like each other,
1: no, they don't read each other's journals. I never said that. She, so, okay, so the, it She just a, knows that about him. Okay. He probably talks about it, like being unhappy and like he's ready to die.
0: Weird. Yeah. And how old were they again?
1: 33 and 28. Super young.
0: Wow. Okay. So I, I Ooh, still that's don't like believe. It's almost our ages.
1: It is. Ooh. But I, ba, ba, ba. I don't believe that that's what happened, but it still is interesting. Um, It says. This part of the story, perhaps the strangest detail of all was a phone call made to the outer edge, um, received by the operations manager the night before the Lonergan's disappeared. This was from Tom. Um, Tom Lonergan asked if the boat would be visiting Agincourt Reef. The manager said it would, and Lonergan grew agitated, repeating the question multiple times. So he just kept asking him, like, is it going to go to Agincourt? Is it going to go to Agincourt? And he's like, yes. And the manager said it would. Um, An employee of the Cairns Visitor Information Center testified that she also received a similar phone call from Lonergan in which Lonergan asked um, if a charter boat called the Quicksilver 5 visited Agincourt Reef. So like before the dive, he was calling places to find out where they were going to go and if a different boat was going to be there after. So just like kind of weird, like if they were gonna jump off and like have a plan he wanted to know where they were gonna be and if a boat a different boat would be coming by that area which lines up with the other story who said they picked up two people somehow
0: i just so they're living in italy in like
1: maybe i mean chilling but you still would have had to get out of australia to italy and they didn't have passports
0: um so i feel like that's less of a problem in 98 maybe yeah
1: so um Agincourt Reef is where the nearest life buoy was located, um, six kilometers away from where the dive was. So they could possibly have gotten to that, but they would have had to be able to see it from where they were. Um, shortly after the dive concluded and 24 people boarded the outer edge to Port Douglas later, that day a fishing boat sped away from the area of the dive, supposedly. We don't know. So that's a different, a different one. We don't know um, if they were picked up, but it doesn't seem likely. It's just a theory. Um, Wild. Fourth theory, they were attacked and eaten by sharks um, as they were swept to sea or tried to swim to safety, which is honestly likely, especially if they never made it anywhere out of the ocean. They sh- for sure got eaten. Yeah. Even if it was after they were dead, because there are so many sharks in that area. So, yeah. so, so many. Yep. Um, and then the fifth one, Tom and Eileen were drowned after the dive, but left without them, straining them at sea, which is the most likely one. That's what most experts say. They probably got super dehydrated and delirious and died at he? and got eaten
0: yeah that's the most likely i mean um you know it's it's really easy to like look through the lens of this like mysterious disappearance but it's like what occam's razor isn't that the not the thing where it's like the most um the simply one yeah the simplest is, is the usually the right one Yeah, like uh, they you know what they simply just got forgotten
1: well and it would be super super hard to plan to get picked up with nothing you know like you just have your dive gear and then what do you do when you get to land People aren't just going to pay for you. you. All your stuff is left behind.
0: Well, I mean, if that's a, if if it's like a, if it's a super, like drawn out plan, and they've got somebody picking us up, or, or like, you know, the, they they could have stored stuff in like a, a locker at a bus station. Change yeah, of clothes. I suppose. Fake IDs or even their IDs. But
1: they would have had to have completely different bank accounts and everything because all that stuff is being monitored when you're missing.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, b- they had forty-eight hours. Yeah, the they 51 sure, hours they to, sure did and, and I mean you know if that was before like computer systems and they were able well not before computer systems but if that wasn't recorded yeah you know they could have dipped out of the country
1: so anyway they've never been found
0: classic isn't that scary man it's freaky
1: so that was the one that I initially was gonna do for Halloween because it's kind of kind of true crimey but kind of like mysterious but I have something better now so super excited Oof. okay that's the story what's
0: your what's your what's your take what do you actually think that happened
1: i think the dehydration and eventually either drowned or got attacked or passed out and got attacked or something
0: i mean realistically i actually think that that's the case but um
1: most experts do too
0: yeah because if it weren't for the if it weren't for the captain being like oh yeah no we have we have protocol in place no
1: yeah we took a head count
0: yeah what yeah, we were we we totally remember those people. No you don't. Well, Come and especially
1: now. when someone else on the boat saw one of their bags, wouldn't you then think, "Huh, I never saw them walk out of the boat. I never saw them get back on." You know? Like wouldn't you just be like, "Hey, this their bag is here. It's weird."
0: Yeah, too damn bad.
1: Very scary. Very, very scary.
0: Yeah, moral of the story is don't go scuba diving. More or the, or uh, no, moral of, moral of the story is make it make an impression with the people well, that matter.
1: I think today you kind of circumvent some of that risk with electronic GPS and stuff like that. Like you could send signals and people would know exactly where well, you are.
0: Yeah, I know that I know that if we were going twenty five miles that I would have some sort of uh, you know, GPS device or some sort of like you know, the, the strobe I mean anything. Right. right. But this
1: was this is over 20 years ago, so they didn't have all the stuff that we yeah. have now. But anyway, very scary. Very scary. And that was something I hadn't heard of before, so I thought yeah. it would be good.
0: Terrifying. Worst mm-hmm. nightmare.
1: Yep. Don't like that at all. Yeah. All right. What do you got for me?
0: Oh, so excited. So excited. Um, so the question I would pose to you is, would you ever donate your dog to the army? No, absolutely not. Never, ever? No. Well, you would never do it? No. Okay. So... Um, so this comes from, um, you know, just the the acknowledgement, um, this comes from one of my favorite podcasts. It's, um, uh, history of World War II with Ray Harris Jr. Sure. And he interviews an author by the name of Robin Hutton, um, about her book, Animals of War. Mm. Okay. So story begins prior to World War II. Uh, The United States military did not have a dog program. Anything like we always think of, like we see, you know, German Shepherds or Belgian Malinois or, you know, like Rottweilers. Yeah. Yep. In the military. Yeah. Um, So yeah, actually, prior to that, they didn't. But uh, shortly after Pearl Harbor, the attack on Pearl Harbor, December seventh, nineteen forty-one, a poodle breeder (laughs) and New York socialite um, was like, oh, her name was Arlene Erlinger.
1: Yikes yeah so that's no. hard
0: to say so she got together with uh, a bunch of her friends and one of them was like a writer for the new york sun and a couple people in the american kennel society uh, and they formed this group called dogs for defense and they Wait, were like was
1: this like a request or something or they just came up with this idea on their own
0: no they just came so what yeah yeah but i mean it was like you gotta imagine so like pearl harbor it's a very it's like a very patriotic time you know everybody's like oh my gosh we what can we do america to help? has just been attacked even yeah. though you know hawaii wasn't actually a state at the time um so they 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 formed a group dogs for defense and they convinced literally convinced the military to create a dog program
1: wow with poodles
0: uh, with well so with with she was a poodle breeder and um you know just to say it was like a really patriotic time and it like compelled you know these people to to do this uh so the military the army specifically put out a call uh for the public to donate their pets oh my gosh 40,000 dogs were donated you right? know how
1: many kids dogs got donated because the mom was tired of cleaning up after it just
0: you <laughs> wait just you wait okay
1: They're like timmy this dog is needed for the betterment of little the country, johnny right so sorry
0: right so 40,000 dogs were donated of them uh 200 or 20,000 were taken and... So what
1: they do with the 20,000? Sorry, rejected? Well,
0: yeah, send them back.
1: Give it back. We don't want them. Yeah, so they tra- that mom's no, like, God, yeah. I tried so hard. I thought this was my out.
0: She'd be like, yeah, no, I tried so <laughs> hard. But they're like, uh, ma'am, this is a, a pug. We That's can't do anything yeah, with this. This is, I don't, I don't, yeah. this is a chihuahua. Here what is go. this going to do? Yeah, here you go.
1: It's going to alert everyone to where we are. It's just going to yap the Not whole gonna time. Not going to do anything.
0: Yeah, so of the 20,000, 10,425 dogs ended up serving in the wow. U.S. So most of them actually served um, patrolling like munitions factories and uh, they were... S- so For security? Yeah. Well, That's they, they Yeah, they patrolled the coasts um, because at that time, the U.S. was really like worried that, you know, we were going to get attacked again. Um, but a handful of them actually went on to do other things. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, like they went to go on and be messenger dogs, sentry dogs, like scouts. Um, a lot of messenger dogs were used in the Pacific. Because the jungles were so thick that walkie-talkies were basically useless. Oh. Yeah, so the dogs, the dogs would, are like... good at finding stuff. Yeah, so they'd run back and forth from their handlers. That's um, so cool. And during this time, the Marine Corps started their own program. Uh, they started using uh, Dogs for Freedom dogs, the donated ones. That's what they started with.
1: But where did they get these people to train them? Just you wait. Okay.
0: Uh, and then they used... So there was... There was kind of a, like a different group, which was the Doberman Pincher Club of America, donated a lot specifically to the Marine Corps. Okay. Right? Sure. Here comes Arlene Erlanger. Oops. Helped write the training manuals. Oh.
1: And. That's cool.
0: Toto's trainer from The Wizard of Oz.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's like wild. Yeah.
0: Um. So, so the, the, just kind of like, I'm kind of jumping over or jumping all over the place. Uh, 132 of the, uh, dogs, dogs for defense went to the Marines. Marines kept a book. This is actually really cool. The Marines kept a book of every single dog that served. And it it was like full of like handwritten, like, uh, reports from the, the handler and you know like pictures and just like official documents from the Marine Corps so they literally kept a book of every single one which is like more than other branches did that's cool um yeah so it's really cool and they're all recorded in the National Archives uh, which is really cool
1: you know what I bet that also helped with morale like when are you in a room with a dog and like worse off than when there's no dog you You know know it probably helped so much
0: you would be surprised because like dogs weren't looked at Dogs that's true I bet this helped with same. that honestly I oh, bet I'm this sure. was
1: like wow look at what these dogs are capable yeah, of. yeah
0: and, and we'll, we'll actually get to to them not being looked at as the same um okay so so World War Two happens um friggin some socialite in New York was like hey we should get dogs involved because so the Germans had had used dogs in combat and so had the uh the British so like this wasn't something that was you we know. the Americans just right. hadn't yet, and okay. the Americans found at this time that horses were actually really hard to transport from sure. the Americas and to
1: very skittish.
0: Yeah, as a matter of fact, they use mules more. Yeah, yeah, they use mules um a, a lot more, especially in Korea, uh, but in 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 the in like North North Africa, they use mules a lot because yeah, they're they're not as skittish. Okay, okay, so that paints the picture. Um, I'm going to talk about four dogs. Yay. I'm so freaking excited. Yeah, cool. The first dog, uh, his name's Caesar. Caesar. Caesar was German Shepherd, uh, also a messenger dog, and uh, had the moniker, well, the, the dogs in Pacific had a moniker called Devil Dogs. Okay. That was the name of their uner, unit. Un- um <laughs> <laughs> the, So the, the Marines gave the dogs devil dog moniker because the marines themselves were given the moniker in world war one by the germans because as
1: devil dogs as devil dogs yeah because they were just badasses and they just like yeah and they just
0: were like a nightmare and the germans were like these guys are devils um so caesar was a german shepherd owned by uh the glazier brothers out of the bronx all three of the brothers joined the military and they were like yeah you know what? we're just gonna donate our dog because he'll serve too so he was he was part <laughs> of the dogs for defense um and so caesar was German shepherd he was a messenger dog and the interesting thing about messenger dogs is they had two handlers so mm. they would the the dog would go with the first handler on patrols and then he would send back messages that's and so then cool they would say wait
1: wait, like written on a scroll around their neck
0: l- literally written okay. and they would put it in like a little capsule on their neck Aww. and they would say um they would say report to paul and the dog would just take oh, off and my. run through the jungle and sometimes it was wait, like wait,
1: a, wait. yeah how long how like long? a mile wow how would they know where to go and they were
0: getting shot at <gasps> it's wild
1: how would they know where to go yeah so they would
0: run the messages f- from the front to the rear with a capsule around their neck oh, and they had just report oh my to paul.
1: gosh that's amazing so
0: um so caesar his third day he was um one of the first he was one of the first groups that landed in uh uh, bougainville in japan in the pacific okay and um so on the third day in combat um caesar's handler his his handler in the front was sleeping and while he while the handler was sleeping the enemy was trying to sneak up on him and caesar was alerted to it because he can smell him and charge the enemy and when he found out what was going on his handler woke up and his handler's name was mayo and mayo yelled to caesar like hey come back here and then caesar turned around came back and ended up getting shot in the hip and close to his heart poor guy um and he went missing and obviously mayo was like freaking out you know and 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 so they you know they repelled the enemy and caesar somehow like made it back close enough to where they found him right um so the the men make this like makeshift stretcher for him Hmm. they carry him back to sick bay and he made a full recovery Yay! he did he was like and and he just kept doing good things um
1: saved his freaking handler
0: yeah uh so unfortunately so caesar was one of the very very few dogs that actually was kia it was killed in combat or was killed in action yeah Yeah. and um the weird thing is is that there are several pages missing from his book what yeah it's kind of weird yeah Th- from what? his from his book there are a couple pages missing so like
1: he was doing hardcore espionage i know he's like, a double agent he
0: was he was no i think he was actually doing some hardcore stuff
1: what it was a german shepherd you said right his german what? shepherd
0: yeah yeah okay that's so that's cool. that's caesar Cesar. uh caesar was really like hardcore yeah. and then <clears throat> and sticking with the german shepherd theme there's a german shepherd also in the pacific also a devil dog named jack jack um jack was kind of an interesting dog. He uh was missing part of his ear from oh. a dog fight previous dog fight like so he's already brutal yeah he's so he's he just kind hardened. of a ruffian you yeah know? he
1: was ready
0: yeah um he was also a uh dogs for defense you huh? know seriously the owners were just like screw this i'm done so jack <laughs> was actually trained by toto's trainer at oh, camp lejeune interesting which is really cool yeah um he, he did security and like what you know walk around the camp and and basically that's that was his main job but he went on patrol uh with one of his handlers and they were attacked so mm. he, he also did uh i think he was oh he was also a messenger dog okay jack was german shepherds i guess were good for messengers yeah um so his his lead handler and jack were both badly wounded his handler was badly wounded like in the leg and jack was shot in the back oh um and they're like basically kind of at the front. They're walkie talkies. They have no line of communication to to the rear to reinforcements. Uh, That's scary. Yeah, they're 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 a sitting duck, yeah. and everybody's wounded. The commanding officer, uh, uh Gordon Wortman, is the name of of his, you know, of Jack's handler, and the commanding officer finally makes his way to Gordon. He's like, "Hey, can Jack? You think Jack can get this information?" And he's like, "Basically, he's our only hope." Oh. and jack is shot bleeding like profusely everybody's like bleeding and injured they're under fire and gordon looks at the commanding officer says well he's got a lot of guts (laughs) so they put they put the um message in and you know what i just like i'm like picturing this dog who's afraid injured everything's loud yeah and they put him they put the thing in there, uh, the the message in his little capsule, and they say report to Paul, oh which gosh. I guess was the, the command. The command. Um,
1: oh, because he also they also said Paul. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so he uh, he mustered up everything and ran to the rear, oh, and while being shot at, angel. literally saved the day.
1: <gasps> wow! Did he die?
0: No. Yay! He, nope, served out the war and made it home. Oh my Actually, gosh. it's really so what a I G. I deleted this from my notes. Um, Gordon was so after after he was in the war he went through training, and at camp lejeune he was going through training. and gordon saw him going through this and was like oh that's my dog <gasps> oh. and the the d the d trainer you know to bring him back into the public life was like oh no you can't approach him he's like he's like hardcore and gordon's like yeah the hell fine. with you <laughs> opens up the cage and like you know jack freaks out and it was just like to be reunited with his friend so sweet um you know went home to his family and it's really cool so um uh,
1: cool. i bet he was so bored after that like just living at home not I having don't know. a job i
0: don't know i bet yeah i bet can you imagine
1: yeah the stakes were so high and now he just sleeps next to the fireplace
0: but i feel like you know i feel like a lot a lot of times even with people you know if you go and you do something super heroic like that and you really then you're satisfied. You had that like su- that, that close brush with death. You know, sitting by the fire, you're like, man.
1: But there also goes the other way that like now normal life isn't exciting enough, I and mean, you're just like, what am I doing? But I, I'm I'm personifying yeah. a yeah. dog, so I don't know if that's right. how it works for dogs. <laughs>
0: um. So the third dog, and and I'm saving the best for last. Okay. I'm saving the best for last. Okay. The third dog, um, is also a devil dog. He was a Doberman pincher by the name of Andy. And Andy and Caesar, um, were kind of side by side. Andy or Caesar was the messenger. Andy was a silent scout dog. Okay. Uh, so they were part of the first patrol, and Andy led the way, and while Caesar was running messages. So, um, and what's actually really cool about Andy is that he was one of the few dogs that could go off leash. Mm. Yeah, and. So the this first platoon of, of Devil Dogs, um, the commanding officer over the over the whole like platoon, I think it was a platoon. I'm not really sure of like the, the size of it. Terminology. Yeah. Okay. Was basically telling the soldiers like, "Hey, it's all about the dogs. Yeah. They're the most important here." You know, obviously, the soldiers were like, yeah, "What the heck? Uh, what do you okay? mean? Okay, it's a damn dog." Yeah. Um, well, and but this it, is like
1: the first time that's been done. They don't know what's going right, on. Right. Yeah. They so have they're no like, idea. What do you mean a dog? Yeah.
0: Okay. So what happened on the first day they're basically kind of like traversing through the jungle you know Mm -hmm. really slowly quietly trying and all of a sudden andy just stops hackles go up and he like has this low growl and kind of points and you know the troops are kind of looking at each other like what is going on and so they what they assume is that he's sensing the enemy yeah figure out it's totally a sniper in the tree and then like after yeah after that like everybody was like yep
1: it's all about the dogs. It's all about dogs, baby. I understand. Let's do this. Wow. Yeah. Because that totally saved them. Exactly. They would have had. They would have been sniped for sure. Wow. For sure. What a g. Yeah.
0: So that that is that is the um, there were a bunch of there were a bunch of marine units in um, in the Pacific that used dogs, uh, and this is this is just the um, you know story of three of them. Again, animals of war by Robin Hutton great book check it out uh there's a bunch more stories now now the best oh yes it's the war hero that nobody knows i feel like there should be a dog or not a dog i feel like there (laughs) is a dog uh i feel like there should be a movie made after this there should um
1: maybe you should make it eh,
0: maybe (laughs) so there is a there is a german shepherd husky collie mix do you know
1: how loud that dog probably was Yeah, yeah yeah it yeah, probably yeah. screamed about everything oh i'm sure you tell it to do anything it screams right german shepherd husky yikes so this
0: particular one his name was chips chips multiple chips multiple <laughs> chips so <laughs> chips I was chips was a he was a dfd he was donated uh, from pleasantville new york okay um chips had chips. a yeah chips <laughs> had a propensity to like chase the mailman and 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 just kind of be a little dick so you know he's kind of a douche canoe yeah he was kind of just a he was Henri, right <laughs> you know he was he was uh he would he would be the the dog that would like chase after the kid riding a bike or yeah. down the street and you know just kind of be a nuisance um and so the kid's mom was like Take chips. Here, you know what? Take if chips. He annoys they, the crab. Their of it. their theory was that well, if Chips is so good at biting the mailman, maybe he'll be good at like fighting Germans.
1: Biting the enemy. Right. Okay. So
0: they so they donated him. And uh Chips went through some pretty extensive training. Chips, chips yep. <laughs> and um he was so Chips was the first dog in combat for the army. Uh first landing in North Africa, Operation Torch, November of nineteen forty-two. Wow. He was part of Patton, Patton's 7th Army. And if wow. anybody knows me, you know I friggin' love General George S. Patton. Like, yeah, he is you do. a G, right? Um, there's a story about him that, that one of they landed on a beach in yeah. Casablanca. Sure. And they were being shelled. And the handlers started digging a foxhole and like noticing this chip started digging his own foxhole Aww, was like, yeah just smart like guy. right so that they they were able to take um casablanca and then there was uh two months later there was a conference in casablanca called the casablanca conference oh imagine Gosh. that wow. Creative, a little redundant um it was 10 days and all the big names were there winston churchill Ooh roosevelt charles de gaulle um and chips guarded he did sentry duty for the whole conference wow. right it's that's cool crazy so july 10th 1943 perfectly named operation husky the <laughs> army invaded sicily
1: okay it's
0: the it's the football the football to the boot okay yeah southern italy yes Um, they landed early in the morning and immediately came under fire from a machine gun pill just in the beach. What's a pill? A pill, like a machine gun nest. So it's like basically like a, like a barricaded place where the only thing that's like visible is like a, a very like small sight picture. That
1: seems very unfair to everyone getting shot. Well, sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, also unfair is that they're just machine gunning these people that landed on the the beach. Yeah. Sounds horrible. So, apparently, nobody told Chip, Chips, multiple Chips, chips, (laughs) uh, multiple Chip. I'm going to name a dog Chips. Oh, for sure. That's an amazing name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) Operation Husky, (laughs) nobody told Chips that- um, That you you could get shot? That machine guns were- bad well sure so chips this disposition to just be pissed off all the time i i <laughs> assume that he was just he was just born angry you i know? identify with that it was just he was a curmudgeon yeah uh so chips breaks free of his handler
1: he's like you guys are not taking care of this
0: but listen to what happens okay well documented okay A german shepherd husky collie mix breaks free from his handler charges the machine gun nest
1: Oh my gosh! And he doesn't get shot.
0: Runs in. They hear gunfire. <gasps> the handler's like, "Good God, this dog has just died." Yeah, he's dead. And I sure. failed what I'm, I'm trained to doing.
1: I couldn't even hold onto his leash.
0: Right. Next thing they see, Chips comes. Dr- Chips comes out of the machine gun nest, dragging the gunner oh my by the neck. Gosh. Okay. And three Italian soldiers come up with their hands up.
1: Stop! How? How? They
0: thought. Chips was so vicious at the time. They thought, good God, this dog's going to kill us. (gasps) We had had best surrender. They
1: had guns. Doesn't matter. What? Doesn't matter. Wow.
0: So, and and, and that's just, this is just day one of Operation Husky. Later that day.
1: Oh my gosh. Wait, so he didn't get shot at all?
0: He got shot in the back. What? Yeah, he got shot in the back. He got grazed by a bullet in the back.
1: Oh my God.
0: He was just pissed off. And
1: then he was probably more pissed off. Curmudgeon. Honestly. Yeah.
0: So later that day, right, same yeah. day, Chips alerts his handler that ten Italians are trying to break into camp. Oh my gosh! And they captured him.
1: Did he just come up to him and say, "Hey, dude, ten Italians are trying to break in here"? You right know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just wild. <laughs> like, so this dog, this dog went on to—he um, was part of the Battle of Salerno. Uh, he guarded German POWs. In, mm. in camps and yeah, that's a good job for him yeah he met he met general eisenhower and eisenhower went to pet him on the head and chips nipped him in the <laughs> hand which is don't touch me yeah so it's kind of crazy uh that's so funny. chips was awarded the silver star which Ooh. yeah and he was cited for the distinguished service cross wow. which is just below the medal of honor
1: wow good for him
0: and almost got a purple heart however during this whole you know process um oh no so he was actually awarded the silver star in a battlefield ceremony like the troops were like bro this dog is heroic that's just that's all there is to it um but because he was a dog the military order of awards did not allow it to happen because they thought that it denigrated the award of being awarded to humans well did like, any human medals. go
1: in there and drag out the machine no but like runner?
0: previous one. so like if you were to if you were to get a purple heart they thought that like if they were to start awarding it to animals that you know it just wouldn't who cares? As much to people.
1: the dog's not gonna put it on its mantle who cares yeah
0: i mean it's it's whatever whatever um yeah so so when, it's funny because when he came back home uh he went through detraining and literally like came home to a hero's welcome like Aww, he was a huge, huge yeah he prayed. survived the whole war was like a huge success um his 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 family little johnny wren was the boy Um, who owned chip and he came back to be his dog. So
1: proud. Be proud.
0: Yeah. So, so the author, um, Robin Hutton, she, she made sure that like a lot of these animals that at the time, um, were either nominated or couldn't have been nominated or just weren't even nominated for these awards. Um, she made sure that they are recognized. And so she went through one, she wrote this, this book, um, War animals and she, um, She's actually helped uh, get some monuments um, in place for a very heroic pigeon. I'm sorry, what? Oh, for sure. A extremely heroic.
1: I don't think they're capable of that.
0: Flew 20 miles in 20 minutes. Wow. So there was this... I got it. This isn't a dog, but there's this pigeon that... um, So the co-forces, the the British and the Americans, they... um, the, there's a German stronghold in this Italian city. And they, the, the Americans and the British force the Germans out. And <clears throat> meanwhile, the army is about ready to set up a bombing raid on the city. Um, but the British forces moved in. The Americans sent this pigeon to the airfield 20 miles away. And this thing flew 20 miles in 20 minutes. Holy and cow. literally... Landed on the tarmac as these these bombers were like pulling out and just landed what? in the middle, and it had how its, does it, know it had how its, to do that? it had its no I don't know but so this thing this pigeon was actually stuffed and it's in the war museum, um or it's in a war museum or it's probably how do to be, you
1: train a pigeon?
0: I don't know man, I That's don't know crazy. So so back to so yeah. there's a there's a there's a medal called the Dickens medal uh medal medal. That's it. It's it's basically for heroic animals, okay. and she nominated uh, Chips, and sure. obviously Chips got it on the 75th anniversary of the Casablanca Conference. Okay, very very cool. Hundreds of people showed up. Oh, right, for this this award to Chips. Uh, Winston Churchill's great grand great grandson Randolph Churchill was there. And sweet old Johnny Wren at 78 <gasps> oh, years old so was in sweet. attendance when his dog oh won gosh. the Dickens award po- posthumously.
1: That is so sweet. Like, it, is that
0: seriously not such the coolest freaking story yeah, ever in your life? That's
1: pretty cool. Honestly, this whole story is the most Patrick story I've ever heard. Yeah. It's war. German Shepherds, war dogs and history. Yeah. Wow. I mean,
0: it's, it's basically and guns. Yeah. It's, 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 it's as much as, and just the like, the heroics like when i go back and i think of like jack you know i mean his handler gets shot he's, shot he's shot and he just and they're like and his handler's like yeah it's our only hope this dog hey man you know what as bad as it is like i i think this dog can do it he's got guts and this freaking dog that shot badly wounded wow. is gonna work yeah. dogs need jobs yeah, man they love it uh, I get so fired up about this. That's awesome. Um, good job. Yeah. So I was super excited to do this. I was going to yes. do something that was like not as exciting, but this one is, is it's a good lead. Off, yeah, it really right? is. Um, And I did want to, p- I did want to throw it out there that like, this is like a very small sample size of the dogs and their, their heroics. Yeah. And, and furthermore, just animals and their heroics. Yeah. If you guys want to hear more, I would love to do a follow-up episode yeah. of like uh you know animals in korea and vietnam and you know all the other theaters of war um obviously like modern day yeah some of them are just really really great um and i, I want to know in advance uh because we would love to have uh you know our friend and our dog trainer alexander on to talk about this because Ooh, that'd be cool yeah it would be a lot of fun so
1: okay. um, yeah i'll put some feelers out there yeah social media
0: yeah so that's cool so yeah the realistic take is go adopt a dog
1: train it and train your dogs
0: train it (laughs) give it a job train all your dogs and it freaking they love it they do love it it's amazing good job oh man that was fun yeah i hope i hope everybody is having fun listening to this
1: yes i hope so too but this is going to be sort of the new format and we will each tell a story each week and hopefully it's more interesting to you than just hearing us ramble about random life things. And you guys will still hear about our lives and we'll put our input as a married couple into a lot of our stories and what we talk about. But this is far more interesting to me and you, I know. And um, a lot of people that I've talked to like to listen to this style of podcast. Yeah. So I'm hoping this works for everybody.
0: Yeah. We want to cover the things that you may not know about yeah. and the things that, that are interesting, interesting to us, but Yeah. you know, cool. We have a lot of fun doing it. Any, yeah. a,
1: any closing thoughts?
0: um lbrpodcast.com Woo. yeah link to all of our social media
1: and all the places to listen yeah
0: rate review and uh, subscribe yes please yeah
1: yeah ratings really help us a lot so if you Big could time. let us know what you think we would appreciate it I love you thank you bye